It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go. Just win it. Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinton Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen, thank you. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeJet1. And it is time to talk about day number five at the NFL Scouting Combine with our friend who covers the Colts and the NFL for CNHI Sports and the Herald Bulletin in Anderson, Indiana, Mr. George Bremer. George, I think there was a gentleman named Marvin Harrison Jr. who you were supposed to talk to today. And for some reason, that didn't happen, right? Yeah, that was one of those interesting situations. Huge crowd gathered, as you would expect. Uh, And then about 10 minutes into what we expected would have been his availability, uh, they came out, they put Drake May's name up on the podium, and they said, he's not here. So that was all the information we got. Apparently, he left after doing medicals yesterday. Um, It's unusual for a prospect to do something like this. But as Chris Ballard said the other day during his media availability, there aren't many Marvin Harrisons. So, <laughs> you know, because somebody asked if just in terms of, I know he had planned not to do interviews with teams. I'm not sure whether or not he did any last night, um, but he obviously wasn't going to work out. And he, I think really he just came in to do the medicals and someone was asking Ballard if he thought that this would be, you know, sort of the trend of the future. And he's like, well, you know, there aren't many guys that can do this and get away with it. And I think that's, that's the bottom line. If you're Marvin Harrison Jr., your top five pick, pretty much guaranteed. There probably isn't much you're going to do in Indianapolis this week that's going to change that. The funny thing to me is, George, it almost feels like a troll on Harrison's part because first it comes out he's not going to be there. Then he does show up. Then he leaves when he's supposed to talk to the media. This almost feels a little Marshawn Lynch-like, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm just here because I don't get fined. <laughs> uh, it's I did kind of joke. It's in keeping with his dad's tradition. I mean, his dad was not the most media friendly person when he was here in Indianapolis. So not taking talking to the media in India is, is pretty much a family tradition. George, the star of today in the media room, of course, Caleb Williams, the presumptive number one overall pick. He had some interesting things to say, including why he didn't do the medical And a lot of people were making hay about that, but the truth of the matter is it's a flawed system. It makes no sense. 32 teams do not need to do separate medical checks on you. So he basically was saying, from what I gather, that he's only going to do medicals with the teams that he visits because they're the only ones that really are going to need to look at him in that in-depth way. Otherwise, you just wind up essentially being some sort of guinea pig for all of these doctors to look at you. It's unnecessary for a guy like him. I don't think it's really all that big of a deal. People acting like he was being a prima donna didn't seem like it to me. Talk to me a little bit about that, the other stuff that Caleb Williams said, and the other players that you got the opportunity to be around today. Yeah, I think the Williams situation, it comes down to, as it does so many times, people just defending, you know, this is the way it's always been done. So 
this is the way we always have to do it. And I don't think that's ever much of a good rationale for why you are or aren't going to do something. I know from the team standpoint, the the medicals that they get out of this combine, it's probably the most useful thing for most teams that they get because they're all in one place and they, and they get uh, kind of a uniform medical report from, you know, the doctors here in Indy and, then you can come back and do the rechecks if you need to and everything. So I, there's probably going to be a couple teams miffed about that. But at the end of the day, what Caleb Williams said is absolutely 100% true. There aren't 32 teams with a chance to draft him. Uh, and most likelihood, there's one, the Bears. We'll see You know, if they want to offer that trade, that pick in a trade, then you know the teams that, that want to make that deal – uh, will get involved, and I'm sure at that point, Williams would go and visit those teams as well. He'll probably visit Washington and New England, I would assume, uh, just in case he slips to three, but you can't imagine him going any further than that. So he said, you know, I'm going to go and, and I'm going to do the medicals for whoever I go to visit, but that's it, and I, I think that's a reasonable thing. He also, you know, to me, the most overblown thing every year is fill in top prospects name here is not – working out at the combine and we act every year like that's some shocking thing that that never happens been going on for the last 20 years at least um because those guys have very little to gain i mean if you're a top five pick you're probably risking more on the slight chance of injury than you are in any way going to gain anything from going out there and you know basically working out on air um and all that that williams said to that today was essentially They've got 30-odd games of college tape, and that should be enough, which it should. You know, I don't obviously anytime somebody says anything here that, that's not just the status quo, it's gonna become a story. But I feel like Caleb Williams was just spouting common sense up there today. It's obviously not gonna affect anything about where he goes. I'm sure the team that drafts him again in all likelihood, the Bears, uh, will be super excited to to bring him into the fold. And they're not going to care that he didn't throw to receivers he doesn't know against no defense here this week or that he didn't do a medical check that was available to, to all 32 teams in their database. So, um, yeah, he's doing things his own way. I think that's one of the privileges when you're the top overall prospect. Uh, aside from him, I didn't really get around too much today. Um, I, I went to a couple pressers that, that really not much came from. I was at Michael Penix's uh, media availability, and there really just wasn't a lot there. It got taken over by the have you met with crowd, which that's a pet peeve for me because it, it doesn't matter. I can tell you right now, the meetings are the most over-reported thing of the Combine every year. I can't tell you how many times we get a guy on draft day and you say, how much contact do you have with the Colts? And they say, none. You know, today was the first day when they called to say I was picked. Um, it, these meetings, I guess they get legs right now because you're trying to get any little bit of information you can, but they're not nearly as important as they're 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 cracked up to be. And I think the first seven questions to Michael Penix were, "Have you met with fill in this team?" Um, but you know, he I think the one thing that he said that was interesting that came from that was that the Broncos were a different kind of a of a meeting for him. And somebody asked, you know, what, what made it that way? And he said, they're just harder than everybody else. They put a lot of your bad plays up there. 
And he said, ultimately, he thinks that's going to be good because obviously you're going to have your struggles in the NFL. And so you're going to have a coach standing over there. Why did you do this? You know, on Monday after the game. Uh, and so he felt like that was a really good experience. And I thought that was a unique answer. I haven't really heard anybody say something like that before up there. Um, beyond that, there's a lot of legacy guys here. Marvin Harrison Jr. did not show up, but Luke McCaffrey was here. Obviously, his dad went to three Super Bowls. His brother just played in one. He's got another brother who's coaching. Uh, he said that you know, growing up in that family with that wealth of experience at, at his fingertips was a blessing that he never earned. Uh, and he appreciates it every day. Uh, Brendan Rice was here. And I can say right away, he, he's he got his dad's eyes. It's a little bit scary, honestly. We, for a minute, you, you feel like Jerry Rice is staring back at you. Uh, he's going to be, I think, projected kind of his second, third-round guy out of USC. Um, obviously, he, he got to meet with the 49ers, the Raiders, some of the teams his dad played for. And he was talking about, you know, how neat that was going to see people that he's known, you know, in some form or another most of his life. Uh, but he also said that he doesn't feel a lot of pressure to live up to his dad's standard, that he feels like it's more of a benefit to him having grown up with his dad, seeing his work work ethic firsthand, having that kind of rub off on him than any pressure to try to live up to arguably the, the greatest wide receiver in history. And then Frank Gore's son was here, Frank Gore Jr., uh, who said, you know, he's not just going to live up to his dad's name. He's going to surpass it. So we'll see if he's able to, to pull that off coming out of Southern Miss. George, I have a solution to the problem you're talking about with all the have you met with this team questions. I think it's very simple. And I'm not a credential reporter, so what do I know? But if it were me, I would just ask the first question, can you tell us which teams you've met with? That's it. And then that's one question. You get the answer and you move on and you don't need to spend seven or eight questions asking about all these individual teams. Does that make sense to you? It does. I mean, Luke McCaffrey today said, and, and it's true, most of them, he's like, look, between here and the Senior Bowl, you pretty much meet with all 32 teams. <laughs> that's probably not true if you're Caleb Williams mm -hmm. uh, or Marvin Harrison, but the vast majority, what, 98% of these guys have probably met with all 32 teams or will at some point during this process. So, you know, it is what it is. We were joking at one point today that you should just, they should have those little mini helmets under the podium. And then if you put the helmet on the left, you had a formal meeting. If you put it on the right side of the podium, you had an informal meeting and it'll all be just there. The information's available to whoever wants it. <laughs> well, one guy who I'm sure is meeting with quite a few teams at the Combine this week is Roma Dunze, the outstanding receiver from Washington. According to Peter Schrager, the Pac-12 is representing very well at the Combine because he says that Roma Dunze, Michael Penix Jr., who you mentioned before, Tala East Fawaga, the outstanding tackle from Oregon State, and Jackson Powers Johnson of Oregon, arguably the top interior offensive lineman in this draft, have all done outstanding in their interview interviews this week Adonze in particular is really looking forward to performing tomorrow because George he believes he should be in the mix with Malik Neighbors and Marvin Harrison to be the first wide receiver drafted in April and so he wants the opportunity to prove that he deserves that he also thinks that maybe he's a better receiver than a pilot because I saw this quote in George. This is the content I'm here for at the Combine. He was asked about whether or not he thought he could land a plane in an emergency. And Adunze's response was, nope, we're all going down. All souls will be perished. 
<laughs> See, now that's the kind of question I'm here for. That that is that does end up being a lot of fun. But it, the the overall theme there is is part of why I don't get fired up about the guys that don't work out here. There are definitely players that come that are hungry. Penix said, you know, that that he's been dreaming about this his whole life. He can't wait to get out there and compete. Any opportunity he has to compete, he wants to take it. And, you know, if you don't work out, you're taking the risk on on whatever level it is. For, for Caleb Williams, that's not a very big risk. But if you choose not to work out, you are taking some level of risk. And the guys that do go and, and, and put on a show can pass you. So I, that's why I don't really understand what, you know, the hubbub is about that. It's each player's own decision. You've got a chance not to job interview like any other. You know, you've got a chance to put your best foot forward. You do everything possible to do that, but it's up to you and your agents and your parents uh, and whoever else is advising you to determine what that means to you. I don't think the combine's a one-size-fits-all proposition. I don't know that that Marvin Harrison or Malik Neighbors has anything to gain by working out, but Roma Dunze obviously does, and he's very excited about that possibility. I don't see how that's a bad thing. In my mind, that's... It's how the combine works. It's going to be different for all 300, you know, some odd guys that are here each year. Look, the reality of it, George, is that all of these guys are commodities. So they have to decide what's in their best interest in terms of buying, selling, holding, all of that. It's really very similar to a stock transaction. If you feel like your stock can't get any higher, then you go ahead and sell, which would in this case mean don't do anything. And if you feel like your stock can get higher, then you hold on to it for a while and wait to sell. It's really just a matter of picking your spots here and making sure, of course, that you're good in terms of the medical, which unfortunately was not the case for Kool-Aid McKinstry, the cornerback from Alabama. We talked about him and his teammate, Terry on Arnold. Both guys are in the mix to be high first round draft picks. McKinstry was revealed during the medical process to have a Jones fracture in his foot he is not going to participate in the physical drills at the Combine, but he is expected to participate at Alabama's Pro Day, and he should be 100% for training camp. So I don't think this will be too big of an issue for him, but it's certainly a setback. Absolutely. I mean, I'm glad that it, it's not a major situation. Those are the worst stories that come out of here. When they find something significant, you know, a few guys have had heart defects or something like that when they go on the medical check. Uh, if they find something significant in the medical area, or if, God forbid, you get hurt during the drills, those, to me, are the saddest stories that come out of the combine. When you're here and you're excited, you know, a lot of these kids, these days, they all grew up watching it. You know, it wasn't on TV when I was young. That's the only reason I didn't make it to the combine, by the way. That's it. <laughs> Nothing else helped me with that. Uh, but, you know, all these guys grew up uh, watching it on TV. A lot of them have said that, you know, they've gone through it on a video game at some point. You know, different modes on Madden where you're you're at the combine. Uh, they really look forward. A lot of them really look forward to this event. And you get here and you get horrible news in the medical check, or you know, heaven forbid, you get injured out there on the field. Those to me are the, the saddest stories that come out of here. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. We talked a lot about players from the Pac-12 already, George. Let's talk about another one, Troy Franklin, the receiver from Oregon. He was asked whether or not he thinks he should be in the mix with Marvin Harrison, Malik Neighbors, 
and Roma Dunze to be one of the top receivers in the draft? He said yes. And I agree. If you look at his tape, he really is outstanding. I think he'd be a perfect fit in the Jets offense, too. The only real downside with Troy Franklin to me is his size. He's only about 170 pounds. So you worry about guys like that holding up over the long haul. The other three guys I mentioned are a little sturdier, but still, I think Franklin has a chance to be a late first, early second round pick. The Jets probably won't get him because of that. But if they do wind up trading back or they do somehow acquire a second round pick, he'd be a very interesting prospect for them. Because like I said, I think Aaron Rodgers would really like him. I think this whole receiver group is is really intriguing because once you get past Harrison and neighbors, I think you've got a lot of guys that it's almost like pick your favorite flavor. You know, you've got a guy over here who's the speed guy. You've got a guy over there who's maybe a 50-50 ball guy. You know, you got a guy... Uh, smaller guys who are shifty and, and better in space. You've got bigger physical guys who are chain movers. I think it's going to make for a lot of competition when, when they get out there on the field tomorrow. Uh, and I think it's going to make for some really interesting decisions inside each of these draft rooms. One quarterback that has drawn the interest of a lot of Jets fans is Jordan Travis of Florida State. The interesting thing with him is that the thought process has been he'd need a red shirt year anyway and so maybe he's a candidate to be drafted and stashed, which would work out perfectly for the Jets because you figure Aaron Rodgers is going to give you a year or two, and if you take a shot on a guy like Jordan Travis who should fall because of his injury, then maybe he's the perfect candidate to sit behind Rodgers for a year or two, learn, and perhaps be a guy that the Jets mold into a quarterback that they think might eventually be able to start. Jordan Travis spoke today, said his walking boot is off. He's still in awe, can't believe that it's off already. Said he should be cleared in May and ready to go in training camp. Now, let's bear in mind, players say a lot of things to media that don't end up being true in the end. He might just be a little overly optimistic. We'll find out when we hear more about his medical. He also did talk about how he thought Florida State got screwed out of an opportunity to play for the national championship, which I think is undoubtedly true. The arguments against Florida State made no sense to me. Florida State was undefeated. They were being penalized because their quarterback got hurt. That's not their fault. They earned their way into the title game. Just because you think they might lose, that's not a reason to keep them out. Somebody had a joke about how once Joe Burrow went down, that meant that even if the Bengals earned a playoff spot, they should have been kept out because obviously the Bengals weren't going to win a playoff game without Joe Burrow. There's sort of that energy here. It reminds me a little bit of, George, you remember a few years ago when Derek Carr got hurt and the Raiders went into a playoff game with Connor Cook. Yeah, it wasn't looking good for them, but they had earned the playoff spot it would have been ridiculous for the NFL to take it away, sort of the way that the NCAA took it away from Florida State. Browns almost won their division with five different quarterbacks mm-hmm. this year. So, yeah, I, I tend to agree with your take on that 100%. Um, and with Jordan Tra- Travis's point of view, I think he's one of those intriguing guys this year, the way Hendon Hooker was last year. Whenever a quarterback is injured, but you know when they're healthy, they're a really good player. They're going to be you know high up on a lot of people's boards. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, does a team like the Jets, uh, who, who's got a quarterback for the next couple of years, who can wait uh, and, and let Travis heal and, and not be worried about this season, uh, one iota, it, it'll be really interesting. Teams like that, I think, are going to be, that's where the market is here, right? I mean, you're going to take a chance on a guy and you hope a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, he looks like a steal. 
One guy who's hoping to prove that he'll be a steal is Xavier Worthy, the wide receiver from the University of Texas. Thinks he has a real shot to break the 40-yard dash record at the Combine, which is a 4-2-2. Worthy's an outstanding athlete, and he had some great flashes at Texas, but the consistency just wasn't there for me. As somebody who watches all the Texas games, I felt like a Donnay Mitchell might be a better pro receiver, but... If you get Xavier Worthy, you're banking on that elite athleticism because if everything does click and those flashes turn into something that's a regular occurrence, he could be one of the better receivers in the NFL. And that probably will ultimately drive him down into the second round. But, you know, that's again, there's a lot of guys that come from that second round that end up doing really well. T. Higgins comes to mind right away. Now he was the first pick of the second round. So, you know, not very deep into the second round, but. Uh, when, when you see those guys, sometimes they get a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. They get a little bit of, you know, a little bit more hunger coming in because they feel like they were deprived. I know that's the way it's worked with Michael Pittman in Indy. You know, he felt like he should have been a first round pick. He ended up going early in the second round and he's gone out there. And despite having seven different starting quarterbacks and four seasons, put up a pair of a thousand yard seasons, uh, really set himself up as you know, in good position this year going into free agency. George Antonio Pierce is getting some rave reviews at the Combine from prospective quarterbacks. Jaden Daniels, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner from LSU, said that the Raiders were another level. And obviously the odds of Jaden Daniels going to the Raiders pretty low. So what he says doesn't necessarily resonate. But what Michael Penix Jr., who we talked about before, says does because he could be a Raider. And he also had very nice things to say about Antonio Pierce. I know some Raiders fans are a little bit nervous about Pierce only because he has limited experience and he now enters a division where the other three head coaches are Jim Harbaugh, Andy Reid, and Sean Payton. And two of those three guys have top five quarterbacks at their disposal. But the players seem to really like Antonio Pierce. And even if he's not on the level of those three guys, which would be impossible this early in the process, you have to be encouraged by all the positive things you hear from people that are around him. Absolutely. And it that's been one of the themes, I think, regardless of position throughout this combine. I've heard several guys throughout this week up there on the podium say they are either impressed with Antonio Pierce when they went through the interviews with the Raiders, or a lot of them have some past affiliation with him and you know already came in with a really good feeling about him. I think it's one of the benefits of having a former player as your head coach. Uh, the players just tend to connect with them, you know, on a much faster level because they know what they're going through. They've been, you know, Pierce has been through this process himself. So it's, I do think that that helps you relate and we'll see what it translates to on, on Sundays. But I, if I was Raiders fan, I would definitely be encouraged by the fact that almost every prospect who's come through here, has had nothing but, but great things to say about their head coach. George, Jaden Daniels, who we just talked about also said that he loves Atlanta and thinks it's a great situation. So Maybe if Atlanta doesn't do what the odds makers seem to think they're going to do and trade for Justin Fields, they trade up for Jaden Daniels instead. On the subject of Justin Fields, Diana Rossini of The Athletic was on with her athletic stablemate Robert Mays on The Athletic Football Podcast and seemed to pour a little bit of cold water on the potential trade value that people think Justin Fields has around the league. You heard Adam Schefter say a couple of weeks ago that he believes the trade compensation will be something between what Washington got for Alex Smith, which I believe was two third rounders, and what the Jets got 
for Sam Darnold, which was a two, a four, and a six. And so maybe it would be a two and a three, a two and a four, something like that. Diana Rossini today saying that she doesn't believe, based on who she talked to, that the market for Justin Fields is all that robust and that the eventual return for him may be disappointing. Now, George, you know how it goes. All it takes is one team. And there's probably a couple of teams in the mix here who feel like they're not going to be able to get one of the top three quarterbacks. The question, of course, comes down to this. If you're, say, the Broncos or the Vikings, if the Vikings don't bring back Kirk Cousins or the Raiders or a team that's looking for a quarterback, the Falcons, are you better off drafting somebody like J.J. McCarthy or Bo Nix or Michael Penix? Are you better off spending real money on a guy like Kirk Cousins? Or are you better off taking a look at what you've seen from Justin Fields and extrapolating from that? Maybe he was just in a bad situation. He's got so much natural ability. If we bring him in here, we could turn him around, make him into a good quarterback. And from there, we've got a guy who's 24, 25 years old and could be the quarterback for the next 10 years. Of course, part of that calculation, you would assume, is that any team trading for him is going to pick up that fifth-year option. So right off the bat, you're committing to a two-year, $28 million deal. Not crazy for a quarterback, but it is somewhat of a risk. So that's the question here. Do you go with a guy who's a more proven commodity but older and doesn't have as much time left like a Kirk Cousins? Do you go into the draft and get somebody who's not proven at all and is not on that top-tier level in terms of the prospects, guys like McCarthy, Knicks, Penix? Or do you make that deal for Justin Fields? And if you do, what is the value? So this is going to be very, very interesting, George. But as we've said, the Bears have a decision to make because once the new league year hits, the decision has to be made on that fifth-year option. And assuming they're going to trade Fields, they're not going to want to pick that up because it becomes guaranteed. So they'd want to make that deal before the deadline, which is coming up in less than two weeks. I think that's part of why I believe you know, Diana Rossini's report that, that the trade market isn't crazy robust because it is, I don't want to call it a flooded quarterback market. That's not quite true, but you've got what everybody seems to believe is a pretty deep draft class. You just threw out some of those names, you know, even beyond the top three that, that people might be interested in. You've got the possibility of Russell Wilson being a free agent, you know, and might not have to sign him for very much at all because Denver's still going to be on the hook for a lot of his contract. You don't know what the situation is going to be with Kirk Cousins. Baker Mayfield potentially could be a free agent if, they, if he doesn't come to an agreement with Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, all of that I think works against Chicago. You got teams with a lot of different options. Probably not very many of them want to make a decision as quickly as the Bears kind of do in this situation because they do want to see how things play out, how the draft plays out, whether or not some of these other guys shake free. Uh, so I think it's very easy to believe that, that the market's not going to be really huge right now because, again, all those things you just talked about as far as the questions around him and, and are you better off going you know, spending a little more money, getting a more proven guy like Kirk Cousins if he's available, or you know making a deal to move up in the draft, or even just sitting where you are banking on a guy like Michael Penix or Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy, you know, taking a chance on somebody like Jordan Travis and, and kicking the can down the road a little bit. I think teams outside of Chicago probably don't have anywhere near the sense of urgency that the Bears are going to have. 
George Bremer, our friend who covers the Colts and the NFL for CNHI Sports and the Herald Bulletin in Anderson, Indiana. Thanks so much for coming on and breaking down day number five of the NFL Scouting Combine with me. Really appreciate it. We will talk more tomorrow and discuss the quarterbacks throwing and, of course, the wide receivers and the offensive linemen. This is going to be very, very interesting wrapping up the combine the next couple of days. We'll see a lot of guys working out, running 40s and all of that that are of particular interest to the Jets. So looking forward to getting into it with you, George. In the meantime, make sure that you follow George on Twitter at GM Bremer and read his work at the Herald Bulletin because he's going to have articles on all of this stuff. And, of course, he'll be tweeting it out live from the combine as well. Check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on itunes if you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you could go ahead and do that for us to be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcast and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play like a jet.com